Kia I'm Damien Venuto. It's February 27th and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. The tough task of counting all the people who live here is fast approaching. March 7th is Census Day, meaning that each of us will have to fill in forms detailing how many people live in our homes. This information is critical in showing how our population is changing and plays a key role in determining how resources are distributed across the country. But gathering this information isn't easy at the best of times, even less so amid the destruction caused by recent storms. Today, I speak with NZ Herald Head of Newsroom Data, Chris Knox, who explains why it's so important for your voice to be counted. Chris, the census only comes around once every five years. So for those of us that have forgotten, what exactly is the point of getting everyone's details every half decade? So getting everyone's details every five years gives the government a chance to create a gold standard of data that they can use to check all the other assumptions that they make about the population. So it's a set of 21 questions about each household in New Zealand and 54 questions about every individual in those households. And then from those questions, they're able to check the assumptions that they make based on all the other data sets. Are there any recent examples of policies that have changed or been shaped by census data? Yes, there are. I would like to think that policies have been changed based on census data, but I suspect that it's more a question of shaping. So, for example, the Healthy Homes Act and the legislation around that was in place before the previous census, and then in the previous census, questions about mould and heating in houses were added, and then those questions helped inform the policy that was created from the legislation. So I guess nobody needed the census to know that New Zealand had mouldy households, but the census then allowed us to quantify that. And also then this census will enable evaluation of the effectiveness of that policy. Chris, we live in something of a golden age of data in in the sense that there are so many forms of data that we can acquire now. So how relevant is the census data in today's world versus what it was in previous generations? So I think it's both more and less important. It's less important, as you say, because there's a whole bunch of other sources of data about us that the government has access to. It's more important because more and more decisions are based on that data. And as I mentioned earlier, the census kind of forms a gold standard, for example, health data. So almost everybody interacts with the health system regularly. And so the Ministry of Health has a pretty good sense of how many New Zealanders there are and a little bit of a sense of their health needs from that. However, a kind of a classic population that's missing from health data is males aged about 15 to 35 because they're largely healthy and they don't regularly get prescriptions for birth control, whereas females generally do. And so you need something like the census to actually sense check something like that health data set to understand where people are. So it really offers a more holistic view of the population, how many people there are and where they live. Yes, exactly. And like you, you can learn a lot of things from surveys and that sort of thing. But if you think about like a survey of a thousand people of New Zealand, which is pretty accurate for predicting things like voting, the margin of error on that is around 3%, which is 150,000 people. And there's plenty of communities in New Zealand that are smaller than that. And so the census provides a chance to actually quantify those and understand the needs of those communities. In the 2023 census, for the first time, we're going to be asked about things like sexuality, gender and sex characteristics. So it's going to be really wonderful to fill that out and feel able to show your full self. 
new data that's available highlighted like how many young people identify as gender diverse or of rainbow sexualities and identities. So we knew that we were missing people. Being a data journalist, do you have any examples of interesting or quirky information or trends that have been pulled from censuses in the past? Not so much quirky, but there's a couple of things that I've noticed that sort of surprised me. One of them was I was looking at a story that Stats and Z had up about a welding contractor in Hawera who actually used the census information to identify where there were young people in his community who didn't have employment and then went there to find those young people and offered them apprenticeships in his welding business. That's fascinating. I mean, that shows you a real life example of how census data can actually be used to help a community. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, and there's a, another similar one is Ezra Herawani was the young New Zealander of the year last year. And he saw how many New Zealanders didn't have access to electricity and decided to do something about that. And so he set up a, a new kind of power company to try and make electricity available to more households. On the slightly quirkier side of the census data, social media has been circulating the idea that British pop star Harry Styles may need to fill in the census data this year. Is there any truth to that? Uh, yes, yep. I believe that Stats and Z has confirmed that everyone who's in New Zealand on March the 7th should fill it out. I think that it's just that that's the easiest way. Like as soon as you create any kind of exceptions to filling something out, then you've got to have a whole bunch of legislative cost figuring out who is and isn't eligible. I did have a look, though, at the questions because I saw on social media there were people speculating about whether or not we'd learn how much he earned, uh, but I suspect it's just going to be in the 200,000 or more category. On the topic of questions, there are a few new questions that have been included in the census this year. So what are they and what will the country gain from having that information included? Um, yes, so this year's new questions, are, for the first time, there's going to be questions around gender and variation of sex characteristics and also sexual identity. And I think these are really important questions uh, for the LGBTQ community and I guess for the, for the country as a whole to actually, it'll be the first time that we have a really clear understanding of the size of that community and also their distribution and potentially what some of their needs are. One of the key things is that this census is always confidential. I mean, there, there will be people who land up being faced with this question who haven't told anybody their sexual orientation. And I'm not sure what the right response for those people will be. The last census back in 2018 also got quite a lot of backlash after a shift online saw a drop in people filling in the form. What are the consequences of that data shortfall and how has StatsNZ responded to the processes since then? One of the consequences was that they put in place a whole lot more processes for augmenting the census response data from administrative data. So some questions, obviously, for example, your income question, if they have access to IRDs data, they can do a pretty good job of inferring what your income is. And so things like that are less important. What they did, which I found really helpful, was that they also created, a, for every single question, a metric of the quality of the answer. So how much of it was from people's responses and how much of it came from administrative data. And so that's actually, I think, made the census more useful. And then this year, they've put in an enormous effort to engage with communities that they know didn't respond to the census well last time. They've put a lot more people on the ground. They've put a, a lot more targeted advertising out. And they've also 
created many more kind of fallback options. And then the key thing is that you don't actually need to get a census pack now to do a census. If you want to do the census right now and you haven't received your census pack, you can just go to census.gov.nz and click on one of the links there and they'll verify your identity and send you the census and you get started. It is very likely that research studies focusing on very small population groups which rely heavily on census data, may be impossible to undertake using the 2018 census. Statistics New Zealand will provide additional contextual information around the 480,000 people who did not engage with the 2018 census, and the 240,000 people who provided only partially complete information in the census. Some people we've spoken to have seen a lot of that advertising for the census, but others we've spoken to around the office had absolutely no idea it was even happening. So do you think that the government is doing a good enough job of highlighting the importance of filling this form in? I don't know. I mean, I can't understand how anyone couldn't have seen the advertising. I've seen so much myself. I mean, I think that's something that will have to be investigated after the census. I mean, I'm hoping that it's much better this time and that the measures that they've put in place do help. But I think, yeah, ultimately anything like this, particularly where where the government is spending a lot of money trying to reach out to different groups of people, always needs to be evaluated to see whether or not it worked as intended. That topic of engagement is an interesting one because whenever the census comes around, we hear stories of people sailing out into open water so that they technically aren't in the country on the day of the census. So is there a concern we could miss out on these communities and miss out on valuable data that might come from those communities? Yes, there is. But I'd also say that I think that the main people that are being harmed by that action are those communities you know, the the numbers are going to be relatively small and it's a chance for those small communities to actually ensure that they figure in the government's decision-making and if they check out of it, then it's not going to be the rest of New Zealand that suffers from that. There's also concern at the moment about East Coast communities affected by Cyclone Gabrielle. How is the government ensuring that those communities can fill in the census given everything else that they're going through at the moment? Did actually already have teams of people in Gisborne, and so they're working across the East Coast with trying to get out and engage with people. There have been discussion of putting more census collectors on the ground, because obviously if you don't have electricity, then an online census is going to be more difficult. And so they are working as best they can to engage with those communities. Chris, another issue raised in the aftermath of Gabriel was the lack of investment in infrastructure in that area. Could some of this be attributed to census data maybe suggesting that investment in infrastructure and roading in those areas wasn't as necessary as it actually was? I don't think so. I mean, I think the the reasons for lack of investment in infrastructure in an area are much more complicated uh, than just what data is available. But I think that also, however the census is done, it's going to be disrupted to some degree in those areas. And I don't think that's going to drive future investment and that the investment that's happening is going to be based on the emergency response rather than census response. Chris, I suppose one of the problems with collecting data is that the moment you've collected it, it becomes dated. So in that context, and just given the massive amount of work that goes into collecting the census, how frequently should we be collecting census data in the modern context? Yeah, I think five years is probably a good trade-off. Obviously, you know, a census every day would be fantastic from a data analysis point of view, but it's not practical. No one would like that other than me. And so I think that what we see is that, for example, stats those population estimates, which they release every quarter, 
And then one of the things I like to see is how much they have to change those when the census comes out. And generally, they're pretty good. I think the processes we have working of the census are as kind of a gold standard to check all the other administrative data means that that five-year interval is working pretty well. Chris, what's the final thing you'd like to say to convince people who aren't planning to bother with the census to actually take part this year? I personally think that filling out the census probably gives you more than voting in terms of what you get from the government. It's one chance to ensure that you as an individual are captured in the government's decision-making process. And I'd say just go out and do it. Thanks for joining us, Chris. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. I'm Damien Venuto. The Front Page is produced by Sean D. Wilson and Paddy Fox. You can follow The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in tomorrow for another look behind the headlines.